What is good, my peoples? Welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As usual from last season, but for the first time this season, that is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And also, for the first time this season, we welcome friend family of the show, Mr. Ricky Nurse. Good evening, gentlemen. Glad to see both of you. Boy, Good evening, evening. new season. Back, right? Who this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. It is very, very true. We are very happy that, you know, anyone, whoever is joining with us for this show to the, today, this week, we are glad that you're taking some of your time to spend it with, with us this afternoon. Um, of course, like I said, we have to welcome AJ because AJ is almost a stranger to his own show because he has <laughs> not been here until today. So what's going Boy. on, AJ? I well, I've, I've already explained this to you. Let me just in, um, fill everyone else in. Basically, due to a, a, an increased role at my primary place of employment, I'm in a position of more responsibility, right? Rick, you, you get what I mean, right? So it was, it was a bit more difficult. Yeah, it was a bit more difficult to maneuver, being able to leave in time to get home to, you know, to do the show. So I, as best as I could, I tried to... Um, to, to log in on the evenings when they were on the, the Tuesday evenings to be a part of the show. It was one unfortunate evening when my wife had a distressing evening, so I had to end my viewing early to help her out, but all is well. That was just a minor blip, but you know, all of that to say I'm glad to be back here. It, it, yeah, and I'm sure that I mean, of course, and I'm sure that the, the, the viewers, the listeners are also very glad, not just that you are back with that all as well you know you, you mentioned the, mm-hmm. the situation with your wife the family you know is very important to all of us so we are glad that everything on that front is good that. ricky of course ricky what about you how have things been since the last thing you've been with us yes uh getting ready um preparing for new football seasons new sporting seasons as per usual i like when we get down into the so-called Burr months, September, October, November, December, because those are the money months for us in the fast-moving consumer goods industry. So mm-hmm. always a good time, and it's a, it's a good feeling. We don't have the, the leaves turning in the fall like um, our friends in the U.S., but certainly when we get to this time of the year, it really encourages some more smiles for consumers, some more debate and arguments. Um, so yes, this is this is money time that we are, that we're heading into now. Yeah, it's interesting that you speak of debates and arguments because chances are we may have one or two in the next hour as we go For through sure. the, that, the topics of conversation. Here. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so I'm hoping you know that the the folks here in Denver that may you know popping during our show that they feel a little bit of solace because I. I've, I I can't say that I feel what they feel, thankfully, but this has not been a great weekend for the Colorado sporting public. First, the, the Colorado Buffaloes, they went to Oregon, got beat pretty bad, 42-6. They lost by 36 points for their first loss of the season, but for some educated viewers of the college world they expected that this was going to happen i can't necessarily count myself within that number because as i have said repeatedly on the show i don't watch college football i don't follow college football that closely so i'm not going to be one that's going to sit here now and tell the folks like if i've been paying the world of attention however i did pay attention to what happened on sunday which was that the devil broncos went down into Miami and probably were partying a little too hard the night before because yeah they didn't turn up for that game and that is exactly where we are going to start today as we go off the rip with the weekend recap where yours truly comes up with some headlines based on what occurred over the last week or the last weekend in sports and then you guys get to tell me if this is cap or is no cap and we're probably going to spend all our time here today because there are quite a few interesting areas of conversation but like i said we are starting starting with what happened down in miami as you see this today's show is called almost record breaking because the dolphins 
almost broke the record for the most points scored in an NFL game. And I think they did break the record for the biggest deficit in a game by 50 points. I mean, yeah, somebody probably should have lost their job. But we'll talk about Denver in a second. So, gentlemen, first up, cap or no cap in the weekend recap. The Miami Dolphins are the best team in the NFL. Ricky, what do you say? I, I, I should have brought a cap so that I can answer this visually. That is cap. That is pure cap. They're not even the best team in the AFC, gentlemen. I know I know the hype machine, and I know we get caught up with these shiny new toys. It is that vehicle that has the the engine. You can you can see it, you can hear it before you see it. Um, it is Miami, so we add that, there's that, but let's not get confused. Football is still won in the trenches. We know the teams that still win in the trenches on both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. That football looks very good before the leaves turn. But after the leaves turn and outside gets cold, that type of football cannot help you. We've seen it over and over. So I love to see it in September. But that does not win in the NFL in January and February. So I call cap. Oh, right. So, I mean, I, I should not be surprised that you would say cap. After all, we got two representatives here also from the AFC East. So, AJ, tell me, Miami Dolphins, the best team in the NFL. Is this cap or no cap? Ricky, let me do it for you here, though. Let me do it for you here, though. Yeah, well done. Well done. <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that is pure cap, bro. That is cap. And, and Ricky mentioned, like, going forward, why he doesn't think that they're the best team in the NFL. I, I will mention the right now. Just after looking at, at these three games, right? I'm not fooled. I am not fooled. Yes, of course, Miami has scored the most points, and obviously that is exacerbated by the, the result in week three, right? Mm -hmm. And in and obviously, like because of that, they rank like look, looking at the at their offensive stats, total yards, passing yards, rushing yards, points. They rank number one in all of them. Understandable. The defense, Ken. The defense, total yards. They rank twenty fourth, giving up three hundred eighty five yards a game. Passing yards, they're giving up 231, ranked 20th. Rushing yards, another 130, 24th. Essentially, in every major defensive stat, they are 20th or worse. That is the bottom third of the league. There's no way. There's no way. And 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 it looks really good because they in 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 the three in their three wins. Yes, they're the only unbeaten team left in the AFC. In their three wins, all they've managed to do is come up against two teams who are offensively inept. In week one. The Chargers took them down to the wire just because Justin Her there's Justin Herbert and some other uh, um, weapons that he has. And the fact that um, the Chargers have a head coach who has probably the, the, the football IQ of a five-year-old. So they, they, they were able to see them off. But any team with a, a credible offense is going to push them as well because the defense can't hold up. The defense is not good, all things considered. And, and this is both sides of the football. So while the offense has been rolling, the defense is not good enough. This team is nowhere near the best team in the entire league. Cap. Okay. All right. So the boys, both of you guys said cap. No. Andrew, you brought some good stats there, Justin, right? And it almost swayed me in what I was thinking because I will be the voice of dissension on this panel. Right here, right now, week three, September 26th, 2013, the year of our Lord. The Miami Dolphins, sorry, yeah, 2023. The Miami Dolphins, right now, look the best team in the NFL. Even though their defense, as you have so eloquently illustrated, AJ, is not necessarily the strongest, is not necessarily the best. Part of that is also because they tend to score very quickly. So the opposition gets a lot of possessions, a lot of opportunities to put up yards. And if your offense is any good, then you should also be able to put up points. Like you said, when they played against the Chargers, it went down to the wire. And then the other two games that they played, their opposition has not been that good. 
But the fact still remains that in pretty much every offensive statistical category at this point in time in the season, the Dolphins are leading. And if you have an elite offense and a middle-of-the-road defense, chances are that can be good enough to carry you where you want to go. If your other teams, if the opposition is not similarly stacked as you are. Like, we are seeing right now the difficulties that Tyree Hill has posed to every defensive coordinator he's come up against. Because what do you do? You can put your, you, we saw it illustrated this weekend, you put your safety 40 yards back from the line of scrimmage, Tyree Hill takes the ball from his right side, runs across his face, and he still can't catch him. He still can't stop him. So, at this point in time, I'm hard-pressed to see another team right now in the entire NFL that is better than these Dolphins. But I'm sure that within the time that we are here, you guys will find one. You, we probably might touch on another one as we discuss these other topics for today. But yeah, at this point in time, I have to say what I'm wearing right now, which is no cap. The, the Dolphins look the best to me so far. Sir, Sunday, October 1st, in Orchard Park, New York, Buffalo Bills will beat the Miami Dolphins. You can book it. All right, so we got your first hot take for the day. All right, all right, Rick, no problem. I like it. We, that's why I said that today, as of the 26th of September, I'm not projecting based on anything because... All right. As we've seen through just this weekend alone, injuries can scupper a team. Like you can be up 17 love and then suddenly find yourself losing 18, 17. But that's neither here nor there. So there were two teams that were, well, there were supposed to be two teams that were playing in this game, but only one team really showed up. The other team got beat by 50, and that is the Denver Broncos. Everybody has been saying that they have given up already on the 2023 iteration of these Broncos. They've already said that they are tired of Sean Payton. And they don't know why he brought Vance Joseph back to Denver to be the defensive coordinator. They're saying, basically, that the honeymoon is over. So, cap or no cap, gentlemen, I want you to tell me, do you believe that the honeymoon should be over in Denver right now? Because I can tell you the, the, the word on the street is that people are done with this team. So, cap or no cap, honeymoon ends early in Denver. AJ? Oh, oh me first? Well, yeah, man. This is this is no cap. This is no cap. Of course, it ends early. Listen, I was I was not here earlier in the season. Um, if, if in previous episodes y'all did, because uh, I can't remember seeing that segment. If we did like predictions for each division, right? No. The reigning Super Bowl champs are in this division, so I would I obviously I I know I didn't do the predictions if y'all did, but I had I would have had Kansas City first just because of Justin Herbert and what he can do. Despite Brandon Staley, I would have had the Chargers second. The Broncos is still the third best team in the division. I, um, in 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 terms of what would have been my prediction, and I still don't think with this loss that they're any better than that. I still don't feel like the Raiders are going to do anything because Josh McDaniels and that the Josh McDaniels and Jimmy G combination as as head coach and and starting quarterback that's that's a fourth place finish for me, right? So I, I, I think even with this loss, the Denver Broncos are right where I expected them to be. I didn't think that there was a honeymoon in any case. Sean Payton coming back did not sway me from thinking that, uh, in, or uh, rather into thinking that this team was going to be challenging for the division title. Not with, and, and uh, granted, I've been, I've been a, a, a defender of Russell Wilson. I expected him to be a little bit better this year. And truth be told, I think he is marginally better, but he's still bad. He is still bad. <laughs> That <laughs> just goes to show how awful he was last year. I, I don't even think the honeymoon began. So if you want to say that it ended up, however you want to phrase it, yes, it, it has. That's no cap. What were you, right? Do you agree? I, I say no cap because you 
you come in as Sean Payton, brashly talking, you have your Super Bowl ring, you are saying things that I assume the fan base wants to hear in terms of you're going to remove a lot of the layers of entitlement from Russ, and you have a, it's my way or the highway kind of mindset. You then take it to a net, another level by, you know, breaking from the, the fraternity a bit and lashing out at the former head coach and, and essentially framing his first uh, uh, foray into head coach um, experience and saying it was one of the worst performances you had ever seen. And you really don't do that in a fraternity like that. So all of a sudden, everybody's saying, well, Sean Payton really means business. He is not going to take any crap from anyone. So you set the, the bar very high that this is a no-nonsense man who has a track record of success. Week number one, you lose by one point to division, division rival in the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay, so expectation gone up a bit more now because saying, okay, somebody fan base said, eh, well, these are the same ways that we lost to start last season. Other people saying, you know what? Um, a, a little bit more either direction, we win that game. Week number two, you lose by two points to the Washington Commanders. Fan base say, you know what? This team is feisty. Peyton is making changes. Russ looks as as AJ said marginally better than last year. We have a solid defense. Jerry Judy coming back. Here we go. Week number three. You get a 50 burger, no fries in Miami. What do you expect? These are human. Fan is short for fanatic, right? You are setting people up for an emotional roller coaster after they went through what they went through last season. So it's no cap. That will definitely end a honeymoon for anyone when you go into a marriage with that much expectation only to be embarrassed the way they were 70 to 20. So yes, has the honeymoon has to be over because you also, and I mentioned one last point, you also have a team on the college football national stage that is taking headlines not only you know from other college football teams but they're taking headlines right in your backyard you give everybody in the state of colorado a reason to consume those colorado buffaloes so you could argue that you're not even the best or the or the sorry you're not even the 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 most exciting and entertaining football team in the state of Colorado right now. So yes, honeymoon has to be over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I, <laughs> I went to work on Monday, because for my job, we are in office on Mondays now. So I had an opportunity to, to try to take a little pulse of the other people around me. And there's a, there's a guy who comes to work and the very first just before like just as soon as football season was about to start the man made sure he came to work in his denver broncos polo with his denver broncos jacket and i was like yeah this man is ready for football season you know what he came to work in on monday normal clothes nothing for <laughs> broncos logo on it and i was i i and i heard him talking about it and every Almost every sentence contained an expletive, but we're a family show, so I can't I can't quote him on what he said. But it was bad. It was it was really really bad. So, in speaking to a couple other folk, they were hurting, and a lot of the blame they put on the step of Vance Joseph, because Vance Joseph, when he was the Denver head coach for two seasons, he won five games over two seasons and not just that he didn't have a like a top five defense he left here i don't remember where he went after that but he, his defenses were not remarkable there he's come back and everybody was looking at what this defense did over the last couple seasons with um Ijiro evero as the defensive coordinator and you know they were talking about the north fly zone the north fly zone is back the secondary at least is playing really, really good. Nobody saw giving up 70 points to the Miami Dolphins coming. And 
truth be told, when you take into consideration what happened to the Buffaloes Saturday, just the day before, people were already a little bit sensitive. You know, they they some of them still expected that the boss were going to go to the Ducks and beat them. I don't know who and I don't know why. But they thought that. So when they went there and they got sandpapered, now they came back home with the skin already a bit raw. And then they got flogged. They got beaten like worse than if they owed money. Like if this was the mafia and they had carried away all of the mafia's corn. Like this this was this was terrible. This is terrible. So this and then Sean Payton he gets in his um post game presser and he is snapping at reporters and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a wrap. Right now, all of the goodwill and the yeah, we'll see how the team goes and we you know, we didn't win many games last season, so we can expect that maybe we can be like four or five wins. Now you gotta win you gotta win the next one. But the good news for the Denver Broncos is that the next team that they go up against is the Chicago Bears, who's also winless. So somebody gotta win. And if it's if Sean Peter knows good for him, it better be these Broncos winning that game on Sunday. It better be. So now that we step off of the, 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 the biggest hiding of the weekend, now we can talk about a team that every year has big expectations, but then somehow find a way to fall flat. They're the accident waiting to happen, according to one Stephen A. Smith. That is the Dallas Cowboys, who curb stomped the Giants 40 to nothing in their first game. They won their second game of the season when they played against sorry Ricky your Jets they beat them 30 to 10 and then somehow somehow the one team that everybody has picked to be the worst team in football the team that is most likely going to end up with the number one pick in the draft the Arizona Cardinals the team that is definitely not really trying to win except that you gotta tell you can't tell the players not to try to win because you know contracts and money etc the Dallas Cowboys go and they lose they lose to the Cardinals. So, cap or no cap, fellas. These are the same old Cowboys. Dallas can't fly with the Cardinals. AJ, you live in Dallas. So, talk to me, bro. Cap or no cap? If it's... So, the heading is... It's, if it's the same old Cowboys? These are the same old Cowboys. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's no cap. I mean, what... The, because... Okay, so when you initially sent it to me, I guess I had my... I had my argument structured around that the Cowboys are not as good as we thought. So, approaching it from that angle, the Cowboys are exactly what I thought they would be. I, I'm not as good as we thought. I don't know what, what any el- anyone else thought they would be. Like, did any one of us really think that the Cowboys were, like, even the best team in the division? Nah, it's like second best, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's like, I, again, I, like I previously previously said, previously, what's wrong with me, said about <laughs> Denver and their positioning, like, I don't think this affects where the Cowboys uh, will sit in the division come the end of the season. They're not; they were never going to be an unbeaten team. You know, as soon as something went, one thing went wrong, it was going to spiral out of control. So, they lost um, Young Diggs, Trayvon Diggs. They lost somebody with some some O lineman. It was. I mean, some some people went down, and you know, with the Cowboys, is like is when it rains, it pours. So yeah, so they turned around and lost the game because that's what happens. It's what they do. I mean, they're still going to have a winning record. I expect at the beginning of the at the end of the season, they're still going to be like the second best team, and I'm most likely eking to wildcard weekend. But I don't feel like this necessarily shows them up or or, or or exposes them in any way, shape, or form. It was one of those weeks they had to lose to someone. I mean, obviously it looks bad that it was the Cardinals, but like three weeks in, I don't think they're better or worse than I thought they would be. Uh, I, I or expected them to be after the 17 games. What were you, Ricky? Same old Cowboys? Is that Cap or uh, I, I will say this. The defense started the season at a at a much higher level than I expected. Um, they had an emphatic um, domination of New York City football. But what does that really mean? You beat both New York teams. What does that really mean? 
So the irony to this is that the Cardinals were spunky in their first two games, both losses. And the Cardinals said, no, we can show up for work again. We can be spunky again. And they found a win. What I will say is that when Dak Prescott turns into South Dakota, because his <laughs> real name is Dakota Prescott, you get these type of results. And what no one is, seems to be having a conversation about right now is that Dak Prescott has not shown us that he can elevate his game like the defense of the Cowboys had shown us in those first two games that they could elevate their game. So for me, the reality is that if Dak has not improved, the offense certainly has not improved because a number of their key players disappeared in, in week three, then yes, they will end up being a playoff team. But the Super Bowl dreams and aspirations that were being bandied about those will not come to fruition. Not as long as you have the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC. Well, we'll go three for three on this one because these are the same old Cowboys. This this is what they do. So, Ricky, you spoke about them beating New York football for two weeks, right? You know what that did? The same thing that the Cowboys do every year. It gave them a false sense of security. It elevated expectations. And then when the opportunity came for them to pay off on the expectations, they go, they wet the bed. That's what they do every year when they go and they win 12, 13 games in the regular season, get into the playoffs. And then from the first game of the playoffs, then they're back home hanging up their gun belts, dusting off their boots because they have to wait again until September like the rest of us to see what is going to happen when their season can, can restart. The, the Dallas Cowboys, to me, they are actually positioned to be worse this year than they were last year because their head coach, Mike McCarthy, who has had his issues with club management, that has been a problem that he has been battling for a while. He has decided he's going to take on play calling with that. They get rid of Kellen Moore, who, for his flaws, had this offense actually producing over the last few years. So now Kellen Moore is gone. We have McCarthy calling the plays. This is not a recipe for success in Dallas. Because... I don't know if you guys feel strongly or feel better about McCarthy than I do, but I, I don't think that Mike McCarthy is that great of a football head coach. And when you you put him now with Dak Prescott, who is not like Dallas Weather, he is more hot and cold rather than just hot all the time, AJ, then you, you, you know that there are going to be opportunities, there are going to be times where his play is going to fall off. And now they don't even really have the horses around him to elevate everything when he himself is down. So I don't see how Dallas is going to be any better this year than they have been in years past. You wanted to say something, AJ? No, no, no. Sorry. I was actually just agreeing with you. I was just, as you were speaking, I was just agreeing with your points. But I'm, I was looking up something here for... A point to come but i was listening to what you're saying and then i was just agreeing that's all no i saw your hand up right so that's what made oh me no 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 i was just in a i think in an awkward position here but <laughs> <laughs> okay so ricky i mean i was hoping i was really hoping that when you agree that you were going to be coming on to the show that we would have been speaking about the the good feelings that were happening in the green half of new york Unfortunately, those good feelings lasted all of five plays, four plays. In, four plays, four plays. Yeah, it lasted all of four plays in, in this NFL season. And then Aaron Rodgers pulls his, well, pops his Achilles, and he's done for the year. Or maybe not, depending on if you take or how you take what he said on Pat McAfee. But at least for the regular season, he's done. And no one expects that your team is going to make the playoffs at this point in time. So he's pretty much done for the year. They decided that they're going to bring Zach Wilson 
back into the fold. We're going to reinstate him as our number one QB after we told the world that we have no interest in having him be this. And then nobody came and took him off our hands, so we still have him. So, yeah, we're going to say that Zach is, Zach is our guy now. But he's not done very well in his two starts. He played against the Cowboys. We mentioned that earlier. And he went for 12 of 27, 170 yards, one touchdown, three picks. This week, well, obviously this is going to be a tough game. You were playing against your division rival, AJ and the New England Patriots. And again, Zach Wilson, 18 of 36, 50% on his passes, 157 yards, at least no interceptions, but no touchdowns either. So, Ricky, we got to come to you first on this one. Cap or no cap, the Jets need, in all caps, they need to trade for another quarterback. Let me do my best, Brian Windhorst, put up my fingers and think and say, why would they do that? We are in the same boat, gentlemen, that we were in this time last year. We know that Zach Wilson is not it. We know that we are quarterback away. We know that we have a good defense. We could have a good running game if we had better QB play. But we know that this young man is not it. This is a stubborn front office refusing to accept that this was a horrible draft pick at pick number two in the draft. He's in his third year and he looks just as bad as he looked in his second year, just as bad as he looked as a rookie. The reality of it is that, and you see this sometimes, organizations, especially when you're the ones who drafted the talent, refusing to accept that it was a mistake. However, today, they signed one Trevor Simeon, so it's cold soup warmed, warmed over time, um, because we signed Trevor Simeon, and again, why would they do that? If we have all of this blind faith and loyalty to this young man, why are we signing a man who recently had exposure to this offense, who is a, a journeyman, yes, about as middle of the road as you can be, but what you're telling me is we know that we're going to hold some lashes in Kansas City on Sunday night in front of the entire world. Chances are when you get destroyed in Kansas City swiftly on Sunday night, you will be ridiculed all day Monday and Tuesday, and you will have no choice, gentlemen, but to start Trevor Simeon in week number five against the Denver Broncos, who were talking all of that smack against your offensive coordinator and you will have to show up at sean payton's place ready to come out and win a game that basically is a grudge match now based on what sean payton said so i, I suggest that we will be two and three after that denver game because we will find a way to beat denver just for for payton's mouth and trevor simeon will be our starting qb in week five and not zach wilson because Zach wilson is going to embarrass us um on national tv on sunday night so i'm getting in all the wearings of this gear that i can <laughs> because i'm going to be depressed on on sunday around 9 30 eastern so that that is my prediction you're not signing trevor Simeon today if you had as much faith in zach wilson as you purportedly had um at that press conference after the, the latest debacle what about you, AJ? I mean, this is your um, division mate, so you guys know this well better than I do. do Jets need to trade for another QB. Cap or no cap? First of all, Ricky, thank you for the win. I won't get too many of those this season, so I'll take them wherever I can get. It's always nice to be the Jets. No, on the serious matters, to answer the question, it's, it's cap to me, and, and it's cap because of how you phrased this. Well, very well phrased, Ken. Very well phrased. I don't think that they need to. I, I, I like needing to suggest. I will obviously suggest what it is that 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 is is a must at this point. I I think doing that puts them in a more precarious situation. I mean, we've we saw. I'm pretty sure you all saw this too. The suggestions about them um, possibly going and get Kirk Cousins, especially with after how the the Vikings have started the season. And to me, it doesn't make sense. I feel like you're just trying to fill that that short term gap, even though um, Cousins is going to be a rental. It didn't make sense to me because Kirk Cousins, he, uh, like Ricky said, they might be a quarterback away, but that quarterback ain't Kirk Cousins. It's not. So uh, if, if Aaron, I almost say Aaron Judge, 
Speaking of Aaron Judge and the Yankees, though. <laughs> no, let's not. Let's not. Let's let's not. Let's not. I, I get. I can leave that alone. I can leave it alone. Thank I you. digress. I digress. No, speaking of Aaron, and like if Aaron Rodgers intends to actually come back next season, the, the the squad is young enough that they could do this again next year. I don't think that trying to trade for Kirk Cousins for the next couple of months and outside of Cousins, like there's, I don't think there's another feasible option for them to trade for. So in terms of like the question about them needing to trade. No, they don't need to trade. They did need to sign a quarterback for sure. For sure. Because I mean, as much as we don't like Zach Wilson, look, it 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 it'd be real it'd be real messed up to put that boy through torture for the remaining season. Because you know he ain't gonna do well and, and he might he might end up he might end up chipping on. So he, he needs to get all the people feel before fans like physically turn on him. Um so they needed to sign someone. But as for trading, no, nah, that that much is cap. Yeah, Ricky, go ahead. Yeah, just uh, want to add one thing that's in the in the New York Jets rumor mill, and it is that as long as the Tennessee Titans keep racking up embarrassing losses, like the one they suffered last Sunday um, to Cleveland, that twenty-seven to three shellacking, that you may see the Titans willing to offload two key assets: one, Ryan Tannehill to Derrick Henry because it will make no sense for them to keep having the albatross that is the contracts of those two players. Um, if you think out that process, the logic thread would indicate that Tannehill could be an option for the Jets and that is one of the things that Jets um, social media um, continues to say. They say, you know what, Tannehill could be an option because Tennessee may have to get rid of those two assets. So the thinking is that this Simeon move is because after Sunday night, you can't send Zach back out there. You need somebody to help you thread water. And there may be a point in the season where Tennessee looks to offload and see what they have in the Malik Willis's of the world or um, the other young man that um, name escapes me right now that they drafted in the first round uh, of, of, the, of the recent NFL draft. I, I know that they, they drafted the second round. Actually, I think we ended up being a a second round a second round pick. So that that will definitely be one to watch because teams like Tennessee can't keep carrying the contracts of a Hopkins, a Henry, and a Tannehill if you're gonna go and look at a maybe a six and eleven season. Yeah. So the the guy that you were trained to remember just now was Will Levis. Will Levis, yes, Malik Willis and Will Levis, correct. I I just want to add, Ken, before Mm -hmm. you go, just out of pure petty, I'm so glad that DeAndre Hopkins is in this situation because you you turn us down to go to Tennessee. Now, I don't have a problem with the player turning a move to the Patriots down because, I mean, it it is what it is with us. But to go to Tennessee, all right, hold this here, man. Watch this space now. Go along, Ken. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't really have much more to add on this one because I think you guys have elucidated a lot of the points that, you know, would need to be covered with regards to the Jets. I think that trading for a quarterback once the season has started puts you in a really, really difficult position because these playbooks are massive and quarterbacks especially, they need to know where everybody is on the field at every point in time during every play. So to trade for a quarterback, even after, if it, even if they did it in week one, you are then saying that you are punting on the next four to five weeks of football because this quarterback is going to come in. You're going to have to really simplify the playbook. He's only going to have a package of plays that he's going to use. It's one thing when um, San Francisco trades for Christian McCaffrey and brings him in and says, well, you have a package of plays. But, you know, he's a running back. So, basically, you're going to tell him, we can either hand you the ball here, you're either running through the middle, you're running to the left, or you're running to the right, or you can go to the slot, and then we can figure out something as we go. So, that's one thing when you have a running back or a dynamic player coming in. Quarterback, no. I need to know that when they hit, um, when they go on this three-step drop, that this is my hot read over here, 
And I'm expecting this guy to be making this in breaking rope. You can't do that before you get there. You have to come and get the player, but you know how to start to get some time with these wide receivers and understand how the how these guys actually move. So to trade for a quarterback now, that's basically saying, well, we know our season is done. To be fair, your season is done unless you bring another quarterback in. Trevor Simeon is not the guy. He's not the guy. I've seen Trevor Simeon here in Denver. He was not the guy. So to bring him now over into New York, well, you're just bringing him there in case Zach gets hurt and then you have to bring him out and then somebody else has to get in there. To trade for like a, a Ryan Tannehill, I don't know how good that goes. AJ and I have had conversations about Tannehill. It, remind me again, AJ, it was Tannehill versus who? Who was the guy that Tannehill you were talking for? Baker, I think it was. I was I was Baker, you were you were Tannehill, yeah. Yeah, I would never be no, I don't go for the butcher, the baker, or the candlestick maker. So I you know which <laughs> side of that equation I was. But before we get off the Jets, Ricky, you talked to well, AJ, you talked about the young the youth of the team. And how once you know everybody comes back, then they're gonna be in a much better position. But there was an article that came out, I think, today from Sports yes. Illustrated where Aaron Rodgers, he called out the offense and said that they need to grow up. Now, this is what we thought was always going to be the problem because you bring the old curmudgeon in to have to deal with the youngsters, and he always tries to get the youngsters to start playing on his grass. So, Ricky, <laughs> what's going on here? How are we supposed yes. to read this situation? I'm glad, like like the pro that you are, sir. I'm glad you remembered this. Now, I want to say good evening to Justin Marvel of This Justin Sports Show. I also want to say good evening to Mark Thompson because he had a, a, a conversation about that today. Imagine that we have a, a, a running back by the name of Michael Carter on a sideline shouting and screaming at the running back's coach because he is not getting any touches. Michael Carter, as far as I'm aware, has not made any Pro Bowls. He's not won any rushing titles. Michael Carter has not led the team, furthermore, the league in rushing. Where does Michael Carter get off screaming at a running backs coach about touches? Now, this is where, and I don't agree with most things that Aaron Rodgers has said or done, in fairness, in his Wisconsin days or no. But I have to agree with Aaron Rodgers because Michael Carter has nothing a leg to stand on to be screaming at a running backs coach this would never happen in green bay this is where organization culture matters this would never happen in new england right this that would never happen in in, in new orleans i saw a potential hall of fame running back by the name of adrian peterson have a skull and look at sean payton the wrong way when a young running back by the name of alvin Kamara was getting touches and Adrian Peterson was upset that he was not getting any touches. And within two weeks, Adrian Peterson was out of there. The Saints released Adrian Peterson. As they say, the rest was history. Off we went with Alvin Kamara. I remember those days, right? Organizations got to have discipline and culture. So I agree with Aaron Rodgers that these youngsters can't be mouthing off. No, we all agree that Zach Wilson ain't it. But if you are third string running back on the team, you don't have the right to be screaming at a running backs coach or any coach for that matter. So I agree with Aaron Rodgers that the, the youngsters are talented, but they gotta they gotta get discipline and they gotta pull together through this adversity. Because while I don't think we will make the playoffs, I agree. After this Kansas City game, if we have a semi-competent quarterback, there are winnable games on the schedule similar to what happened on Sunday with New England. But Yang and Wyndham, when as soon as you get a little bad patch, everybody screaming and shouting and, and losing their ish on the sideline. No, you can't you can't tolerate that nonsense. AJ, do you have anything to add? No, I just asked, actually wanted to ask Rick because I, I did see that the article was posted, but I didn't have a chance to actually read and check it out. So was that Michael Carter incident the main reason why Aaron Rodgers said that or was it just other stuff like from his it personal was a dealings Michael with them? Carter, 
yes, uh, AJ, it was a Michael Carter incident, and then there was some lit reading that the national media did um, of um, Garrett Wilson supposedly saying to Alan Lazard basically that, that Zach can't make the throws. But again, that's innuendo because it was lip reading and that they claimed that's what Garrett Wilson was saying at the time. In fairness to Garrett Wilson, when he was asked about it repeatedly, he told the company line, as did CJ Mosley and the rest of the team. The Michael Carter incident is the one that that mm-hmm. I think Aaron Rodgers is probably referring to because that was blatant disrespect of a position coach. In a game mm-hmm. that we were down five, and we're actually Hail Mary away from winning because if Randall Cobb caught the ball, we may be having a different conversation. So that's the irony of, in my opinion, and I think that's what Aaron Rodgers is saying because you didn't see that kind of energy from Randall Cobb. You didn't see it from Alan Lazard. And, um, and you didn't see it from some, you know, of the of the more mature players. And I got I got to um, tip my hat to a guy like Sauce Gardner because quite often I forget that he's a second-year player because he carries himself with a maturity as well that some of these youngsters could learn from. All right. I think that's a good spot that we can we can leave the Jets alone. Ricky, we can get you on to yes, more please, positive please, topics. Yeah, yes, please, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is a more, a more pleasant topic of conversation for you? It's probably not so pleasant for at least one fan base and many people in fantasy because this next player is driving a lot of us. I noticed I said us. I don't have us. him on any of my teams, but he is affecting my prospects as well. He, and that is Mr. Joe Barrow. Fellas, cap or no cap, I'm not even giving a big preamble on this one. It's time to panic about Joe. Cap or no cap? This is no cap. It is time to panic. Like, Monday night was the first time I actually watched, essentially, a a Bengals game for the season, right? Joe Burrow looks bad. And, and, and he's nursing an injury. This is, and this is my primary concern, right? The fact that he's nursing an injury that, I, I, I'm not sure how it actually gets time to heal if he's continually playing on it because he's playing and then when he's not on the field, he's having something essentially massage a calf that is not working and he it is affecting his mechanics. He's not stepping in the throws and you even mentioned it Kent, last night, like he's late on throws, overthrowing, underthrowing, like he's doing everything that you would not expect from him and and, and this is like under no pressure at all. You're not even talking about like like uh, the, the, the D-line um, get into him that much or, or or anything like that. He just does not look fit. He doesn't look confident. He does not look good. And and I don't see how his injury is going to improve. Like, because it's not as if it's not as if he's sitting all games to rest it. Man played last night when we all knew that he had a calf injury. I, I like it is time to panic for sure. And I'm I'm tired again nine points in fantasy, bro. Jesus, peace. <laughs> in, imagine in a PPR league, I had about ten points, me. But you know what? I, I, I really like this kid, so I really hope he recovers from this injury and is able, like, on a more serious note. But it is time to panic, for sure. Because even that win last time was nothing convincing. I don't think that anything short of, of, of winning the AFC for the Bengals is considered success. And the way things are looking right now, they ain't even get out of this division, like, at all. Well, about you, Ricky? Is it time to panic? Yes, sir. I think it is time to panic because the injury, yes, you can see if you watch the game last night that it's affecting him. Uh, so hence, it's affecting the offense. Uh, they had the defense had to win that game for them last night, um, and their bye is not until week seven, October twenty second. So they have to find a way to manage him through three more games. Now you don't know what your record will be in those three games, but the performance will also be impaired. Um, just like AJ, I have this gentleman in multiple fantasy teams. So it is it's a problem. I had to actually pick up another quarterback, and, and I, I'm toying with the idea of starting an alternative quarterback for at least the next two, if not the next three games, just to hold me until the bye week. But I will say this. Um, I listened to what Burrow said about it after. And he sounded almost like, all right, well, we, we survived that, basically. Um, he was no worse for wear. But being no worse for wear versus being 
um, getting back to your your old self, there's a there's a huge difference there. So I I I don't envy um, the Bengals because one could argue that Jake Browning is not going to win those games. He may not have won that game last night. Furthermore, um, you face a Tennessee Titans team that you know hopefully you can navigate that one. But yeah, it's definitely no cap. This is not the $50 million a year um, person that you signed in the offseason. And as goes Burrow, goes that offense. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle this. And having torn an Achilles tendon in my life, I can tell you, whenever I hear that someone has a calf injury, I always, you know, the spider sense to start tingling, whether it was Kevin Durant in basketball, same Aaron Rodgers had a calf injury in training camp. So seeing what happened in week one, I wasn't shocked because I've started that movie personally. Those calf injuries can turn into something else. So when I heard that Burrow had a calf injury, I said, uh-oh, this could be a problem. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned because mobility, not necessarily to scramble, but just to move around and, and make plays well in motion and on the move that's a part of joe burrow's game that he does not he simply does not have right okay so i have i have thought long and hard about this one right and it would be strange to think that i have to think so hard about some of these these questions when i'm the one that's coming up with them but if i don't have to think about them then nobody answered right um So I think I think that this one is cap, but only slightly. It's only slightly. And the reason why I say only slightly is because whereas you guys have Joe Burrow, I had the fortune or misfortune for the majority of the the fantasy drafts I was in to have Jamar Chase fall to me in almost all of them. So I have been putting um, Jamar Chase out there every week on a hope and a prayer because there's been nothing right now that convinces me that he is going to be consistent and give me what I need but it's always the hope a prayer and we can see what happens but when you look at the the weeks to come for the Bengals the Titans are not good we know the Titans are not good after the Titans they have the plucky but also still not very good Cardinals and then right before the bite, they probably have their toughest game, which is against the Seattle Seahawks. So they started the season 0-2. They know one and two. Over these next few weeks, they they could conceivably go two and one. I can't say with confidence that they could go three and all because again, Burrow's not been playing up to that level. But they could potentially win two of these three games. Which then puts them at the bye with a 3-3 three three record. And Burrow will have to be, hopefully, sitting with his foot hanging up in the air. No pressure at all on that calf. Only hanging down so that it can get some blood to flow in it with massages and stretches and everything to get him ready for the rest of the season. When you don't have your starting quarterback, bad things happen. And they don't even know who his backup is right now in Cincinnati. But Cincinnati, yeah, all right. So Cincinnati would be very happy if I still don't know who their starting, who their backup quarterback is <laughs> over these next few weeks until the end of the season. Really, and truly, it's not like my Saints, who know we have to break Jameis out of the plastic and tell him go there and make something happen for us because Derek Carr has a sprained AC joint in his shoulder. But he should have let go of the ball. He shouldn't have been holding. He should not have taken that sack. Therefore, he should not be hurt. It's his own foolish fault. I digress. I'm not here to <laughs> rant about my sins today. So yeah, I. The only reason I said that is not really cap. Is looking at the teams that they have coming up. They should be able to make something happen over the next three weeks to get to the bye week. But they got the margin forever is gone completely because you already got two losses now in your division and one of those losses is probably one that you should not have had because we can say that 
maybe you can lose to the Ravens because the Ravens are the Ravens and the Ravens are you know, still supposed to be a competent team, even though they themselves have had their struggles so far. But you're handling really losing to the Browns, especially only putting out three points to the Browns. No, that's not good enough. All right. So, now over to the NFC representative from last season in the Super Bowl. The Eagles, they played a game last night against, who did they beat? The Buccaneers. Oh, yeah, they beat the Buccaneers. I should have remembered that they beat the Buccaneers because then again, they beat the Buccaneers. Anyhow, so the Eagles have been running the football very effectively. Quarterback sneak, a.k.a. the touch push, is the most unstoppable player in football. Who knew? Maybe they should just do that all game long. And then they'll just score touchdowns on every drive. But the Eagles are, are playing so well right now that, cap or no cap, they are the favorites for the NFC. Ricky? I will say that the cap is on backwards for this one. <laughs> because I still think it is the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I, I actually think that this Eagles passing offense is not as good as it was last year. Um, having watched a bit of all three of their games so far, um, you can see that the that Jalen Hurts and the passing offense is not where they want or need to be. They're getting nothing from the tight end position. Devontae Smith was MIA um, last night. He was very, very uh, present and active in the first two games. When um, AJ Brown was MIA in those first two games. So they just don't seem to be able to get the, the, the passing offense going. But they have exceeded 200-plus rushing yards in every single game. So while they figure it out on the fly, they've been fortunate enough to be able to run on all three teams that they've faced so far. The reason I give the edge to the 49ers is that the Niners have shown you in three games that they can run the ball with CMC and beat you. They can get yak from... Their wide receivers, Ayuk had a very good first week. Um, then they said, you know what? We got to remember that we have this guy by the name of Debo Samuel. And this also have not really put George Kittle um, out there for the rest. But the balance offensively that San Francisco has and the dominance defensively that San Francisco has, I have to give the edge to the 49ers because there are people out there who would argue that had Brock Purdy not gotten hurt, maybe there was a different result in the offing for the NFC Championship game. So I, I give a slight edge to the 49ers over the Eagles based on the three weeks that we've seen so far. All right, what about you, AJ? Cap or no cap? Eagles are the favorites for the NFC. Yeah, that's cap. I'll end this off with a cap. It's cap. Because I, I agree with everything Ricky said, so let me just add on a... a the other points that he didn't mention that I have here to mention. The manner of their wins, albeit 3-0, like all 3-0s are not made the same. Like Correct. the Niners absolutely dominated every single team that they've played so far. True. The Eagles led the Patriots back into the game and yes. had a nervy ending. Then who was the Vikings after that, I think it was? It was yes. Vikings yes. in week two? Yeah. Vikings have almost had a lead. I mean, not as, as, it wasn't as nervy, but still, they let the Vikings back into the game in the fourth quarter. And then, and then last night, I mean, it was the Bucks. So I, I, I'm not surprised with the, um, the final result there, but this, they seem to have a habit. And I remember Ken last year, I had this ongoing stat about how the, the, the Eagles, um, were, they don't score touchdowns. They, they weren't half. scoring it. Yeah. And, and they had like extremely bad third quarters where they were not scoring for like a, a, a uh, a number of games in a row. Like, here it seems almost like the same thing. Like, they, they run off with a lead. They, they they rack up some points early, get a lead, and then they allow the offense becomes a little stagnant, the defense gets a little tired, and then they let the opposition back into the game. Now, the, their defense is still good enough to see out, to help them see all the games, but the manner in which they're winning, it, it still leaves me pause for concern because, yes, they've had some injuries, especially in the secondary. I think it was for at least the third game 
they, they lost some people in that secondary, but they didn't have any injury designations for the first game. There was absolutely no reason for my Patriots to come so close to, to potentially being able to get a result. I, I'm, I'm not convinced with the defense by the defense at this point, and I think it's just beyond the fact that they had injuries. So um, because of that, I'll call a cap on it. I think the Niners are the favorites and the best team in the NFC. Okay, so for this last one, yeah, we will have consensus because I too believe that this statement here is cap. The Eagles are a good team. The Eagles are a very good team. And their rushing attack is also very good. But the three teams that they've played so far, none of them can really be held up as a standard for a great rush defense. So we put that in, we take that into consideration, then yes, DeAndre Swift will go off for 175 yards and two touchdowns when he's played against the Vikings. Yes, he and Kenneth Gainwell are going to go for 200 yards when they're playing against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But the San Francisco 49ers, as you have said, Ricky, and you have also agreed, AJ, they are, they right now are the monster in in the uh the nfc they're the ones that are going to be keeping everybody up at night because they can do it all they can they they they're very good on offense they're very good on defense and if there's a team then that to circle back to where we began if you're looking at the best team in the nfl is between them and the dolphins because they are better than the dolphins on defense and their offense is almost as good and for that then if, we, if I had to go back, then you would say, well, maybe that might be cap. But I know those are the two names, those are the two teams that everybody has been focused on in the NFC. And rightly so. If my Saints had not lost this game this weekend, I would have come here and told you that I believe that my Saints also should be considered not necessarily to be the favorites, but they would have to be in the running for the NFC because I don't know how much of my game you guys watched on Sunday but I came into this season and you both would have heard me make mention of my corners and that how finally I was happy with the three corners that I had Marshawn Lattimore, Paulson Adebo, Alante Taylor for Three quarters of the game, um, Jordan Love decided that he was going to test Alante Taylor at every opportunity he could. And Alante Taylor was having the game of his life. He never, almost never, threw the ball in the direction of Marshall Lattimore. But Paulson Debo was hurt. And when Paulson Debo was hurt, I don't even remember the name of the third cornerback that came in. And he was the one that got picked on for the entire fourth quarter, where, which is when they scored their touchdowns. You couple that with Derek Harris' injury, where our offense couldn't keep the ball. We couldn't move the ball because Pete, Car- Pete Carmichael. You then have a situation where my defense is on the field all the time. They're getting tired. And then all of a sudden, here comes the Green Bay Packers with all the momentum in the world. I have to wait and see now what my team looks like going forward over the next couple of weeks. Now that finally Alvin Kamara is released from, you know, suspension, but now my quarterback is out. So my team is still not whole. I'm, I'm still holding on to see what we can be. But I believe that the Saints are showing enough that they are favorites for our division. I said that at the beginning of the season, they still maintain that now. The Falcons have looked better than we expected. Carolina's Carolina. Tampa Bay got Baker Mayfield. Enough said. We should be winning our division. And then, hopefully by then, Derek Carroll will be fit. We wouldn't have too much attrition in terms of injuries during the season. So that we can be in a much better, we can be in, a, in that spot now. Because I said it before the season began. I thought that my Saints matched up really good against the Eagles. Against the 49ers, it's a little bit more difficult. We have the horses. It's just if we can then put it together. But time will tell. Right now, it is the, the San Francisco 49ers. The Eagles can, can be second. And then 
the rest of us voted by him vote to see who's going to be positioned where coming on to the end of the season. All right, fellas, so that is an hour on the counter. And I think we've had a lot of great conversation tonight. So that's a good spot that we can we can leave it here. So, Ricky, tell the folks where they can find you if you have anything going on, anything you want to plug. This is your time. Yes, my social handle, usually Instagram, Ricky underscore nurse, same for Twitter. And looking forward to being more engaged with the with the team this season. Um, spending a lot more time actually paying attention to the various sports because I do think that we got to continue to build these platforms and especially the Caribbean roots that we have on these platforms. And I'm seeing how it's really taking off. The conversations are a lot more active and it's tied to actually consumer spending and where we spend our time and attention. So as a marketing person, trying to be a lot more active in this space. But looking forward to the season because no matter how much we think we know and can predict the behavior of these sports, along comes a game or a team or a point in the season to show us that, you know, human motivation and coming together and playing as a team is not as easy as it looks. And we have not even commented on the Premiership side because I want to say good night to any Chelsea fans that we have out there. Um, that is proof that one can have a funeral at any time <laughs> and drape it in a shade of blue. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, we, we unfortunately ran out of time, so we didn't get to touch <laughs> on the, the football side of things, but that will definitely be back with us right. sometime right. soon. And you too, we hope, will be back with us again sometime soon. AJ. No Anything to plug before we go? No, that's your department. I'm good. <laughs> I am good. <laughs> All right. No problem. Well, thank you very much, folks, for spending some time with us this evening, tonight, today, whenever. As always, we, for those of you who have watched this on YouTube, we always invite you to like this video, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, so that every time that we are live, you will know and that you will be able to join us as well. Our audio-only version of this podcast goes up very shortly after we're finished. I download the audio and I put it up. So you can find it pretty much everywhere that podcast is found. If you can't find us, that means you're not looking. It's always green like the color and beige like beige. And you know how that goes and you know how that's spelled. So we will definitely hope to have you with us again sometime soon. We will be back again next week, Tuesday. I know for sure I will be. Hopefully, AJ and his responsibilities will allow him to be here as well. We will see how that goes. But thank you, thank you, thank you so much. So for Ricky Nurse, who joined us this week, and for AJ, he is the green and I am Ken. I am the beige. We thank you once again, and we will see you next time.